0: So that's what actually happened. It flashed on us. My water line blew. I ended up being in the seat of the room of the fire. And the only reason I know that is because it went from black to orange. And I'm in, in where the fire is. I remember doing this and it was wet. And I wasn't thinking, but that was my skin at the time, melting. But I remember saying, not like this i remember those three words god not like this my firstborn hadn't been born yet and my wife at the time was nine much pregnant and i just said god not like this you guys know this is a this is not just a career this is another family so you know there's a brotherhood sisterhood that that you buy into once you come through It was extremely supportive to see uh, your brothers and sisters come through that door to uh, support you and, and help you, and then it, it gives you something to fight for, you know, to get back to and, and get back, you know, get back in the game. The same thing like football. Uh, those that are committed and, and, and are in the sport, you, that team, that camaraderie. So, to answer your question, I'd say family, but DFR is family as well.
1: You're listening to the ATO Bridging the Divide podcast, brought to you by the Assistant Officer Foundation. Since 1999, the ATO has given assistance to the first responder community, and now we want to give a platform to hear their incredible stories. We also want to hear the stories of the many people that support us. Our community is small, but it is strong. We have differences. We don't always agree and we all made mistakes, but together we can grow, we can heal, and we can learn from those mistakes, and together we can bridge the divide.
2: It is a privilege to welcome a member of Dallas Fire Rescue on our ATO podcast today. Our guest was born in Dallas but raised in Lancaster. He played fullback and linebacker for the University of Cincinnati Bearcats. You've <laughs> uh, been with Dallas Fire Rescue for over 20 years. You um, were badly burned in a 2002 house fire. Uh, he manhandled our Dallas Police Academy <laughs> as a captain in 2013 to become an arson investigator. Recently, he apprehended a serial arsonist. And he was awarded the, the Edward D. Everett Award for Heroism and Courage. He this year he graduated from UNT, uh, earning his MPA in two, yeah in this year 2021. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. Okay, and you're currently the deputy chief of arson and explosive ordnance. Yes,
0: ma'am.
2: You're a man of zero pretense. <laughs> you're genuine. You're fierce, and you're a true professional. Deputy Chief Eric Bill.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for you. coming. Thanks for coming out, Chief. Thanks for coming, thank Chief. You, thank you.
1: I'll cut the check later. All right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chief. Uh, Misty had the idea to get you on, and I, I can't thank her enough for getting you on. And uh, usually when people are up at the command level, they tend to not want to get involved in <laughs> shenanigans like interviews. <laughs> or, right. or, But you're amongst friends. The Assisi okay. Officer Foundation, um, we are so totally DFR supporters because y'all take care of us. Mm-hmm. When we're out there injured, and, and we're, down in, we're down in the ditch, and we're, we're needing help. Y'all come running to save us and we appreciate it the ATO also uh, a lot of a lot of uh, firefighters may not realize this but we also uh, provide uh, financial assistance uh, for firefighters as well Uh, and I know a lot of DFR uh, members do not know that that we do that (coughs) were you aware that we
0: no no I had no idea no idea at until not till today so
1: well hopefully after after today more people will tune in and listen then they'll Realize that we're we're not we're a sissy officer foundation, but right. it's not just officers that we help. Gotcha, gotcha. So, all right, you ready to dive into this?
0: Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me. Thank you, thank all you right. so much.
1: So, you're a Division One football player.
0: Yes, sir. And uh, I think we're eight right now. I haven't looked looked at the recent polls, but I know we were eight recently. So Cincinnati. Yes, yeah. so I, I love my broadcast I have my flag in my office. It's, it's flying and flowing pretty good now. I will admit, back in my time, there were no number eights or anything like that. <laughs> so I didn't think we were in Under Armour at the time. But, which is Where is Cincinnati? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you <laughs> still have that linebacker neck. <laughs> yeah, you're intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> at least that's what my kids tell me, so that's true. All
1: uh, right, you were born in Dallas, Texas. Yes, sir. Right. Yes, sir. You grew up in Lancaster? Yes, sir. All yeah. yes, right. Well, I, I actually I grew up uh, I grew up in Dallas and, and you know where Parkerville and thirty five is at of course mm-hmm, you do definitely mm-hmm. yeah my uncle uh, lived out there for years he okay. still has a house out there that big house on big property of Parkerville and thirty five okay and okay. it stood out it's been there since the seventies okay but I grew up around there too and um, Lancaster's changed a lot yeah yeah, yeah. since the seventies <laughs> great great I yeah
0: mean, a lot of growth up right big box commercial buildings are out there but I mean it's still some residential but. Uh, it's- Totally changed since my my high school days. So, what
1: what is it? What does it mean to you to serve the city that you were born in and grew up in?
0: Um, it means a lot. I mean, to be able to give back to the community and and deal with something of the magnitude of being a public servant. Uh, you know, it, I, I correlate things a lot, and I correlate it to uh, being a, a Division One athlete. So. Uh, even take the hammers for example. Just the pride itself in uh, wanting to contribute, and we talked about it being—I should have cleaned it when I came in. now I'll leave it dirty. That means you're you serve. I mean, that's just something that we constitute as service. So being able to get in and participate and contribute, but do it in your own community means a lot uh, to give back. Not looking for a award or even a pat on the back, but just to serve.
1: Right. Know? No, I, and when you're playing football, you, you want you want the helmet to look exactly, hard. You want it yeah. to look battle-worn. Exactly. And your helmet that you brought in certainly looks like that. And I'm going to be posting a picture of it, Excuse and you. it looks awesome. It looks right. like you, you it's. You never want to trust a skinny chef. Right. That's true. That's right.
3: <laughs> Chief, did you, uh, is this something that you've always wanted to do? Is there, in your childhood, did you want to be a public servant, firefighter, police officer maybe?
0: <laughs> to be honest, I, I'd have to thank my mother for that. Um I, you know, you hear a lot of stories from public servants um, that may have uh, driven a walk by a police station going up on their way to school, or going by a fire station uh, on their on their way to school, and that's not the case for me. Um, this was something that my mother was coincidentally paying attention to the radio ad at the time, and and knew that I didn't want to go off into, I would say, uh, work in a, a public uh, arena. I mean, not public, but the private arena as far as uh, commercial and knew I had a heart for service. So connected me with the powers that be at DFR and and put that connection together for me. So I always had a, a drive to actually serve and, and do work based on my upbringing of my grandfather and my parents uh, to give back and, and that's something that, that was instilled with me as a child. But to be a public servant, it, I didn't have the ideology at first initially. But once I got connected with uh, DFR and some events that happened initially in my career, that planted the seed forever.
3: Yeah, I was reading uh, part of your bio here, and you mm-hmm. have somebody mentioned in there um, regarding the phone call you got. Oh, yeah. And the <laughs> last shove that kind of pushed you yeah. in this direction. Yeah. You want to talk about that? It Temple. sounds like it would be Temple. pretty
0: funny. Oh, yeah, Temple. So so um, when I came home from Cincinnati, I, I want to say that was, that was 2000, uh, believe it or not, I remember that drive because I, I know I'm amongst officers, but I probably did about 110 coming from uh, Cincinnati to tech. I got here in 13 hours. I yeah, still we probably like did 120 thing. getting here. Yeah, <laughs> not really. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, when I got here, I applied for uh, the county, and I ended up working for the county for roughly about a year. But prior to that, um, I had, uh, based on that phone call that my mother put me in connection with, with the, with the recruiters at DFR, I submitted my information, put my name in, and then it was a wait. And doing that wait was about a 12-month 12, 12 process, and I was already working for the county at that time. And when my name came up, I received a phone call from Byron, Byron Temple. He's retired now, a good friend of mine. Um, and, you know, he said, hey, uh, you, you're up, man. You ready to come on in? And I admitted, uh, like some in society, I had become complacent. And I was working a night shift out at the county, and I still remember the staff that I was with. And I received that call that day, the next morning, and I said, man, you know, I I think I'm good, man. And uh, I don't know if we can bleep, but I'll just say he had some words of encouragement that uh, you would have to bleep. And I'm glad I took those words of encouragement. And and, and, uh, I actually would see him from time to time at L.A. Fitness, where we work out at. And when I made Chief, that's something I pulled him to the side and really, really thought him because he changed the whole trajectory of my my life, you know, being here on the department because I was at that stale point where I was willing to accept, uh, you know, I thought that was the path I was supposed to be on, but uh, God put him there to make that phone call. I'm sure God didn't want him to say what he said, but he got it out.
1: What? Uh, yeah, I know you don't want to say what he said, but what was – was The first letter of of what he said. what
3: What was no, the gist of his conversation? Man, you
0: must be out your f mind if you oh. don't get your down here. <laughs> you know, what right. I mean, he, wait for this job. You know, yeah, I kind of took I took that. Okay, well, right. I see you in a minute.
1: Does Does he know? Does he know? And hopefully, he listens to the. Does, does he know what you what he meant to you in your career? Oh,
0: definitely. Yeah. I mean, every time yes. I've seen him, because. Um, even when, you know, I know we're going to talk about it, uh, my injuries, and that changed the trajectory of my, my career. I would still see them uh, out in the field. Uh, that's, I mean, you guys know, this is, a, this is not just a career. This is another family. So, that, you know, there's a brotherhood, sisterhood that, that you buy into once you come through the door. know, it's, it's submitted in you from the academy, and it continues throughout your career. So uh, I would see him out in the field in operations. When I got back to the field by way of arson, and uh, we would just pull each other to the side, or I would just tell people when I'm asked how I got to the department, I would bring them up every time. That's awesome.
1: You, you talked about your injuries. Um, yeah. We're gonna get. I want you to get into that incident. Yes, sir. Um, it, it, I read your bio, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it's. It's pretty intense just reading it. I can't mm-hmm. imagine how it's gonna sound whenever you're you're speaking on it. Mm-hmm. Uh it's take you back to twenty five hundred Kathleen <laughs> on uh, August ninth, right. two thousand two. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Um Eight, nine, and, and that and that twenty five hundred Kathleen that's in that's in South Oak Cliff and <laughs> and, I, and I've actually messed with some dope houses over there off that <laughs> that street and uh, those houses are have been there forever, mm-hmm. and then the, the wood is cheap. It, they're cheaply made, and, and it doesn't take much for them to go up right. in flames. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just just walk us through it and describe sure. what happened? Oh, definitely,
0: definitely. Um, I'll admit, man, I, and I, I'm honored you guys would even, especially Misty would even ask me to come up and talk about it. I haven't really touched that scenario, but I would say I probably described it three times in my in my uh in my career, in my life since I've had it. Um uh, sometimes you kind of isolate things and put them behind you, but I think it's kind of counseling if you would to kind of talk through it. So I'm glad glad you gave me the opportunity to do that. But uh, on that particular night, I'll even start early in that day. That was that was my second shift at Fire Station 38. And um the first fire, there was two fires I got that day. So the first fire I received was off of let better, it was a grass fire. Uh, basic, nothing to it. A uh, friend of mine, Rufus, was the driver. He's a lieutenant now. Um, put it out, gloves got wet, that may have contributed, but that was the first fire. Now the next fire, we had multiple incidences throughout the day, and my lieutenant, Lieutenant Washington, was off that day, so we had a swing lieutenant in. <clears throat> but um, the next fire, that box came in at roughly around 3 in the morning. I had watch. So what that typically is, is you, you listen for the calls to come in, and when a box or a fire comes, you just ring tone the bell out to let everyone know what type of run it is. So uh, it will be first uh, a few um, certain bells are attributed to a structure fire. So when I got up, I remember hearing the call come in. I had a little sleep of coal in my eyes, so I just hit the bell once, and then I blinked again, oh, it's a fire. So I started welling on the bell, and we took off hit the engine we got there we pull up in front of Kathleen 2500 Kathleen we pull up right in front of the driveway and there's a walkway but the driveway actually had a gate in front of it it was a boarded up structure vacant structure but it had a gate and we couldn't get through that way so I jumped off as the uh, the three or four men and grabbed the cross-lay pull the cross-lay they charged the line we couldn't advance up to the driveway The fire was blowing out of the uh, Bravo side, which for us firemen talk, that's the left side of the structure. It was blowing out of the Bravo side. And we backtracked and went up the walkway to try and get it and impede it from the inside of the structure. Uh, uh, Chief of my, Chief Combs, he was was the other four or three men on the back. He cut the hole in the door. It was a wooden uh, plywood over the door. He cut the hole, and the lieutenant went in first and then I crawled in immediately after him and when I got in, this is my first structure fire, I got in, I remember standing up and boom, it hit me, my ears just started melting. Mm. And my first instinct was to drop. So I dropped, got my composure, said okay, now you can't see, I don't know how familiar you are with fires or see from TV, you can't see Jack. So you can't see, all you feel is heat and you feel the layer of, of heat banking around you. So I just felt, 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 and I I think I hit his heel I would tap tap and I would crawl and I would tap tap and I would crawl and I would tap tap and i crawl and I remember us getting outside of what I thought was the room of origin I know we're going to talk about that so the area where the fire is actually sitting and getting ready to advance in the room and boom that's when it flashed so what a flash over is 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 different from a backdraft <clears throat> a flashover is Basically, if this room was on fire, you had a few ordinary combustibles like the chairs and things on fire. But a flashover is when the thermal layer banks down and everything in the room immediately ignites at one time. A backdraft is different where you introduce oxygen to that environment and it becomes an explosion. So that's what actually happened. It flashed on us. My waterline blew. Uh, I don't know where the lieutenant got knocked back to, but I ended up being in the seat of the room of the fire. And the only reason I know that is because it went from black to orange. Right. So and when it went from orange, uh, I knew I didn't have a line. It dropped. And I'm in, in where the fire is, and I remember standing and turning to my right. I remember doing this, and it was wet. But I'm like, well, damn, I don't have water. And I wasn't thinking, but that was my skin at the time, melting. But it was real, real waxy. But the good thing about it is the fire had penetrated my hand so severely it burned the nerve, so I didn't really feel it. And I, and I had to, you know, it took me a while to learn all of this. But that's what I was feeling. And I was standing and I was facing, I don't know what it was, maybe a wall or something. But I remember saying, uh, not like this. I remember those three words, God, not like this. And the only reason I said it was my oldest hadn't been born, my firstborn hadn't been born yet. And my wife at the time was, well, obviously she was, she was nine months, nine months pregnant. And I just said, God, not like this. And so once I did that, I kind of calmed myself down and I felt the wall. And then I started feeling raindrops on me. And I, I never knew what that was until I got out. And I said, well, okay, I just need to get away from the orange. So I just trailed the wall. So if this is the wall that I'm facing, I trailed it. I hit a corner. I trailed it. I hit a corner. And I said, "The hell with it. Whatever this is, I'm knocking it down. And I backed up and just rammed it like three times. Boom. 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 And then Lefty. Lefty was my, my. I call him my guardian angel. Uh, I think Lefty's a lieutenant now out there. But he was on truck 23. And a 38s. Truck 23 came to back us up. He heard me. He cut the hole, and it's almost like the house gave birth to me off the porch, because it was a raised porch in those neighborhoods. It was a raised porch on the Bravo side at the back, and I walked out and just, you know, missed that second step and fell right off the porch, and uh, I was, it gave birth to to hell itself. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I can laugh at it now. Um, but just thinking back, man, it's, it's you know, I wouldn't change anything. Uh, I'm I'm one that, I'm real big on perspective. Uh, I'm, I'm real big on faith. And God is never going to give you anything that you can't handle. So, I mean, yes, I ended up injured. Yes, you know, I still deal with it to this day, reaching out to shake someone's hands. And, curi- you know, curiosity gets them and you'll see their eyes continuously go there and and you know and, and i'm fine with that i'm totally fine but if they would sometimes i'll stop and talk to them about it because the way i view it you see an adverse circumstance that i went through but you also see it tied to a man that's willing to not quit so that so i use that as a catalyst to talk to others talk to kids talk to i mean whomever just and i'm not i'm not a. Cocky individual. I don't. I know I'm a deputy chief. I know I'm an executive, but I'm a person, and and so are other individuals around me. So uh, that's you know that's my backdrop. That's my story to it, uh, and that's the way I use it. What what God gave me. Uh, so and I was able to successfully go out with the help of Misty to the academy and uh, face that challenge. You know that that that's something uh, that I was kind of I was. I joined the department to stay in operations and I knew once I transferred over to prevention I wanted to get back to arson to get back to the field somewhat I knew I couldn't fight fire anymore but I could be back out in the field uh, with my sisters and brothers that I came on with and going through the academy was going to be a challenge for me cuz I mean I was right-handed I had to learn how to shoot left-handed you know I could still write right-handed but shooting a gun and everything, I had to, you know, reteach myself all of it, feed myself everything. So,
1: We're going to get into the, uh, I'm let Misty touch on mm-hmm. the academy and, and how that went, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> as far as your injuries, you know, we're sitting here with you, mm-hmm. you see your injuries, mm-hmm. uh, I want to kind of get into the burn types. Yes sir. People hear about first degree, second degree, third degree, fourth degree. Mm-hmm. First degree is like just the outer part of the skin right, right. and just right. get some redness and mm-hmm. a little bit of sensitivity. The uh, second degree involves the epidermis and, and, and the lower dermis. Mm-hmm. And you have blisters, you don't have swelling. And third degree destroys the epidermis and the dermis, and it, it goes into the, the lower tissue. Fourth degree goes through both layers of skin, as well as the deep tissue, and involves muscle and, and sometimes bone, and, mm-hmm. and it burns the nerve endings. They're, they're destroyed. What type of burns did you receive and to what percentage of your body on
0: when that happened. Uh let's see so breaking down my my regions um the percentage it majority of the damage was suffered to my hands. Okay. I did receive some second and third degree on the back of my neck uh my my stomach across like the base of my stomach and I think that was because of my belt. Uh but the severe severe burn injuries were fourth degree to my hand.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh so The left pinky received fourth degree all the way to the bone where it had to be amputated at the tip, Mm -hmm. Uh, and throughout all of the nerve endings were kind of shot. I still have some nerve endings Mm -hmm. in in my hands. Uh, What's a nuisance to me is that some areas I don't, and where it's fixed, they had to fix it with uh, Mm pins so that I would be able to just grab a cup, right? You know, at least have that, that that ability. And these are something what they call swan, where they're fixed in that area. They didn't pin them, but over time, they just kind of swan and stuck themselves like that. So majority of it, I would say it's fourth degree on my hands. If I had to guess a percentage, uh, I would say 15 to 20 percent because it was mostly just my hands. Right. Um, and and that amputation, that's pretty much it for the gist of it. Um with, with the recovery of a of, mm-hmm. of a burn, that's that mm-hmm. t- that's
1: lengthy, yeah. a- and you know I've I was doing some research on on the types of burn. I'm not that smart, so I have to read. <laughs> so, correct me if I'm wrong. You have at some point you have to scrape off the the, the yeah the the skin mm-hmm. and and, um, oh, and, and infection is says mm-hmm. paramount that oh, kind yeah. of injury and, and uh, the healing. Did you have to go through all of that, and
0: and what what kind of time frame are you uh, let's see. So this was August. I would say okay. And this is where I guess the uh, male macho, uh, fireman macho, big headness came in. Yeah. That the athlete came yeah. in. Uh, I remember my my lieutenant that was off came in and hell, I'm in the bed and I'm apologizing. I'm like Lou, I'm sorry. I, fu- I I messed up. You know, I messed up. That, that's my bad. And they're looking at me like I'm crazy. So based on that. And my wife, I'm like, look, I can get out of here. I just need to get back to work. I left the hospital in a week. And oh, wow. within within another week, I caught an infection. I mean, you basically described what, what went on. Yeah. Now before all of that, I was going through debriefing the where they had to come in and scrape the dead skin off. Yeah. And dope you up with, with whatever medicine they can give you to numb you. To just go it was just a little room with a metal bed and they would just scrape, just scrape the dead skin off, scrape the dead skin off and and when i when i caught the infection i don't know if you can see those indentions mm-hmm. yes, so sir. just imagine looking through your hand and a hole going all the way through so that's this got infected it was a staph infection is what it was so when i went home too early uh i don't just cuz i was crazy i caught that infection and had to go back and i stayed after that point i stayed about a month to 2 months getting skin grafts so they tried initially they tried I want to say it was either pig skin. It was somebody's skin but my own. Right. But thank God I, I love squats and doing the deadlifts and had big thighs. Yeah. So they got all of the skin off the, the front of my legs. Uh, I'm glad they didn't take it from the back. That would look too weird. So <laughs> they got it off of the front, and they used that, and it actually took. So, So what you see is actually thigh skin. Um, that they had to use to re uh, regraft my hands and, and, and allow that to take. The undercoat, that was protected, I guess, by the the, the little sleeve from the coat that you put on in your bunker gear. Mm-hmm. This was protected or I had it clenched up to where it was only exposed to that top area. But yeah, the debriefing, um, the scraping, the staph infection, the time in the hospital, the morphine, oh my goodness, seeing gargles on, this was old parkland. So this yeah. wasn't the new Parkland. <laughs> so I swore it was a gargoyle or something on, on the edge. Cause I, and that was just a morphine. Probably was. But, you know, I was just so on it like a drift where you just click it, yeah. and I would just click the hell out of it and click because it would just hurt so bad. But, uh, yeah, I definitely went through it. I just want to go on the record, Chief,
3: and say that uh, your thigh skin looks very nice. <laughs> it's, it's very good. Um, I like it. Thank you, thank you. You made a comment mm-hmm. um, about people looking at your injuries. Yes, sir. And I think – the most astonishing, or most I don't know if you'd say rewarding, but mm-hmm. to see you in a uniform, mm-hmm. to see you in the shape you're in, right, and to know your your past, you know, right. to know uh, where you come from from the fire department. Mm-hmm. But not only that, that now you've crossed over to the police department mm-hmm. so you could do the investigative piece right there. Right. I personally know what the academy mm-hmm. had in store, they had to do the same things, correct, Misty? Correct. I mean, this is he's just a student in the in the academy no
2: he wasn't just a student he's one of the best recruits i saw
3: out there correct so with that being said i mean i can only associate that i Mm. have friends that are are a firefighter has gone through the academy and and i know the stuff you got through there but Mm -hmm. i mean it's incredible so when i look at your injuries i'm like i just i'm just astonished i'm just like man there's this here's this beast of a man right here (laughs) you know in uh yeah and he's in great shape and it's uh Holy cow. I mean, then, you. then, then you, you go through a police academy. I mean,
0: like
3: it was nothing. Yeah. <laughs> how old
0: were you when That's you were uh, Let's see. I'm 45 now. That was, what, how old was I? What was that? Uh, 13? Was that 2013? Yeah. So 36, 37. Yeah, 36, 37. Yeah, right before the 40s. So close. But I mean, it was it was good time. It was a good time. I mean, it was challenging. I still remember that first day where they they knocked all that crap on the uh, the floor. I think I came in just almost late, you know. Just, but I wasn't late, but I was close. But it didn't matter. They were getting everybody. So. Missy didn't tell you to roll over and suck your thumb. Good time. Uh, break, breakout break break day. Break yeah, yeah, we yeah, breakout. Yeah, I remember that. They could not get that count right, and I <laughs> I forget his name, and I think he's at uh, Central. He was in the corner right by the door. And he couldn't count his freaking jumping jacks, man. <laughs> it pissed us off.
1: Just so you there's no y'all could have been in sync. Yeah, it still wasn't going to work. Gonna work. Yeah. Oh, they were going to run you to the ground. Yeah, yeah. They were looking for a reason. You, you know yeah.
2: everybody wants to know this. Which one's harder, Fire Academy or Police Academy?
0: Dun, dun, dun. I would now, I, I, I I do with, all, do respect, way, so. okay. <laughs> with <laughs> all due respect, and I'll even go on record, because <laughs> I, I know my people may be hearing this, I would say dpd and here's why you have to to the best of my knowledge i don't know if we have it or not but if i ever go out there as deputy i, I can guarantee you we will but i don't think you have a physical requirement that's mandated on you to meet once you, like a goal set that you have to meet this or this is your job you know physically you have to be at this level was it uh it was a exit level it was a entry intermediate and <laughs> exit that's level correct. uh I don't think fire has that. I know we didn't when when my time when we went through uh we did we did a lot of p t and we did a lot of exercise and it was it was great uh but for someone that that has a mindset that wants to work out you know it it don't seem easy, but you know if I had to compare the two, I would say you all have it because of that element of the standard, but then going through the uh burning structures, that's a whole different piece, so yeah. you know that's a different different animal within itself but I do love the I'm real big on fitness, um, you know, it's just something that's, that's in me, and having that standard that you have to meet, and you know, that challenge up front, I really applaud that, so I'd say that.
3: But before we jump into that academy, mm-hmm. I have one last question regarding yes, sir. this. Where, where did you find your strength? I know you said you were getting ready to be a new father, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. So that had to be very difficult, not only on you... Uh, having a newborn child there, but your your wife as well, right? Oh, uh, definitely, definitely. Where did uh, you find your strength? I know you've mentioned God, so I'm assuming partly, but...
0: You know, I lean heavily on my parents uh, and the upbringing they instilled in me. Um, just a never-quit never, never quit attitude. My father wasn't much of a talker. Uh, but he was all about action, you know. He worked for DPNL. With, well, it's old, that shows you my age. It's Encore now, but it used to be DPNL, and that's when they were were with the green trucks, so he was way back then. Uh, But I would always see him come home, funky as all out, get out, but working. You know, just a working man coming home, providing, and then my mother doing the same, and just through all the adverse circumstances that they had to deal with, uh, just watching them. I get a lot, me and my sister, it's just us two, I get a lot of my strength from them. Um, uh, then my faith and, and of course my wife at the time, uh, we're divorced now, but, uh, still, we're still great friends. Uh, we, we <laughs> a story popped up, but, um, we, uh, we really leaned on each other to get through that process. That was, that was challenging, but, uh, without, without the assistance of DFR, now I will say this, um, uh, my love for the department came from this incident. And not just from the incident it was the recovery mm-hmm. so it's more or less when you look up and you're in the hot and i joke about this all the time i don't know if it was the nurses or what but um you look up and you're seeing a blue shirt come through that door you know it doesn't matter if it's black white male female but there's a blue shirt that has dfr on it coming through that door uh, maybe that's why all the nurses were coming down there because there was a fireman coming through the door. <laughs> I don't know, but I got a lot of t- I got I got treated well by the nurses. Like maybe they were just seeing my company, but but um, it was extremely supportive to see uh, your brothers and sisters come through that door to uh, support you and, and help you, and it, it gives you something to fight for, you know, to get back to and and get back you know get back in the game. It's same thing like football. Um, those that are committed and and, and or in the sport, you twist the ankle, you twist the knee, whatever you want to get back out. You know, you want to kind of tape it up, put some ice on it, and go. Now you have the con- concussion protocol. We know we tackle different now, so but still, you know, um, that team, that camaraderie. So to answer your question, I'd say family, but DFR is family as well. So intermediate family and internal family with the department,
1: chief. We heard about your physical recovery. Mm-hmm. What from a mental recovery aspect, how hard was that, and and what did you lean on for that? I know you you clearly, being an athlete and dealing Mm -hmm. with multiple injuries, I know you tore your ACL, Mm -hmm. and you had to recover from that, Mm -hmm. but from a mental standpoint,
0: how did you deal with that? You know, I'll be totally honest with you. Um, I didn't seek any counseling. Uh, I wish I had, but this within itself is still counseling, Uh, A a brother of mine, Shuford, he was our chaplain. He kind of took me through the same process where he was writing a book and he he asked about that incident. So anytime I would have to relive it, I walk myself back through it. And that that within itself gives me a time to really talk about it. Because to be honest with you, I just kind of took the approach. I sheltered it, put it away. And said, "Hey, let me get back to supporting my family." You know, uh, my 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 transition was. I was. I admit I was a little bit down on myself, because I mean, if you take the use of your hands from you, in one blink, um, man, I remember leaving Parkland one time, and I, I, I this may sound nasty, but I had to use the restroom, and I could not go, because I had realized, damn, I can't even wipe myself. Yeah. You know, that 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 bothered me. That, that that I'm like, damn, I can't button my shirt, I can't drive, and I was I was kind of falling back into that complacent individual that didn't want the job at first. Right. So I remember being at at the rehab at Park, it's not Parkland, but it's connected to Parkland, and I used to love to lift weights before the incident and I wouldn't touch a weight because I didn't think I could do it. Until one of the, uh, I think her name was Marie, one of the assistant nurses uh, advised me to go over and just do seated chest press. You know, because I was was afraid I couldn't grip it and, you know, you just, you doubted yourself. And then that kind of sparked something in me. Okay, well, let me start with, start with the, okay, I can move it. I can start doing chest press. And I slowly started to build myself. Back up until I started looking like the tick, and I figured out I have I better do something with my legs too. So, right. <laughs> yeah. so I kind of branched out. So, but uh, <laughs> well,
1: you clearly recovered physically and mentally. Yeah, yeah. And this it is therapeutic to talk yeah. about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the um, visions for this podcast is to give people a platform to. Right to talk about their stories right? and and, and we're going to have different kind of uh, uh, first responders on, we're going to mm-hmm. have DAs on and, and doctors, I want doctors and nurses and actually organizations that support us mm-hmm. uh, and, and I want them to tell why. Not everybody's going to have a cr- as critical incident as mm-hmm. you've had but there is no first responder that hasn't done a job for any length of time that hasn't been worn down right? from all the small things over right. time. Uh, I'm gonna let Misty. I want. I want to talk about the academy. Okay. And how in <laughs> sh- learning to shoot? Yeah. With your offhand. Right. To qualify.
2: Yeah. When he came out of the academy, that's the first thing I noticed. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the first. Thing. The <laughs> first thing I noticed was your 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 physical representation. I mean, right. just a massive athlete. Right. And it's off- yeah, he's a beast. <laughs> So I was fascinated, and then and then also having fire. Right. And I can't take credit for being your coordinator, but right, I did right. spend a lot of time with class three thirty one.
0: Right, right.
2: And um, I remember you wearing some special gloves.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: But what I remember most is there was not one ounce of feel sorry for yourself. Mm. I mean, you just showed up as an older captain <laughs> that's already been through. You've already proven yourself. Right. And just. Brought it every single day with a with an attitude that I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do it right. And I think I told you at the end of um, at the end when you guys were get when you were TCO yes, certified ma'am. that I would go into a house whether it be police, fire, yes, whatever with you any day. Cause I remember I mean, it. I remember it. Such a, an inspiration and thank you. But but you are um, rare because thank you. you're a firefighter and technically a peace officer. Yes, ma'am. And yes, so ma'am. I find it very interesting that I don't know anything about arson investigations. Yes, ma'am. And I'm sure a lot of the people listening, they don't understand how they work. And you right. just caught a serial arsonist in Dallas.
0: Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And
2: so I I really, I think you should tell our listeners about the details of that.
0: Yeah, oh, definitely will. Uh, well, I, for the record, let me make sure, because I'm really big on giving my, my people their props. Uh, that would have been that was Lieutenant Salazar, Captain Forbes Scott, and a collective effort of your CRT team. So mm-hmm. that actually caught. Central? Yes. Okay. That that caught that individual. Now I'm the executive that may got the but I didn't do it, but um, but I reported it to my command staff. But it it was a joint effort, and, I, and I'm greatly appreciative of it. Um, so you're right that that that's a uh, it's a difficult crime to to solve because initially. Your evidence to prove it is typically gone. Uh, so how it how it generally starts is how my division works is we have a a responding unit that's kind of correlates to patrol and I try to compare them to DPD. That's 684, 685. Those are our investigative units that go out to the initial fires and conduct what we call an origin and cause. So they go and put a origin and cause on that particular fire, which it could be one of four class, uh, classifications being natural, accidental, undetermined, or incendiary, which is arson. So once we hit that incendiary plateau, then it switches over to peace officer mode. And at that point, uh, like any other ones, we would we still uh, collect evidence and everything that's needed to prove that case, but it switches over to a, an investigative mode where either if we have enough evidence on the scene, typically it may be from a domestic case uh, where even if your evidence is gone, you have witnesses there, your physical evidence, you have witnesses there that can give you the story. And if they can give you the story and you have video footage or whatever evidence that would prove that this event did occur and you have a suspect, then the the initial investigators will file it at that point. But most of the time we don't have the full story, so it takes follow-up and that's where your detectives uh um, would come in our daytime detectives or our daytime investigators uh ko the one that was with me he's one of my captains that's on uh on uh day ship i love him love him to death um high clearance rate so and they love doing it so and that's basically tracking down the stories that correlate to that initial origin and cause, getting the phone records uh mapping the phone records uh sampling taking samples sending them off to the state which takes forever uh, if we have to call in mutual assistance from a, a dog uh, to sniff out certain certain elements of the case. Uh, what's really big is social media because people like to brag and do dumb stuff. So they set the fire, go brag, or video footage because individuals don't simply look up when they burn in the car. Or uh, they don't understand that they're in a dump site and we have a good partners, partner work, working relationship with the marshal's office. And we can get footage from there. So... Um, that's the telltale signs of working a case, but it all starts from that origin and cause, and working through it, you know, diligently to get that clearance.
3: So, what type of training do they give you? I mean, I get you have to go get your peace officer mm-hmm. license, correct? Mm-hmm. And then, what type of schooling comes after that in order to be an arson investigator?
0: I- it's uh, through TCFP. I, I believe the requirement is a hundred and either see the one hundred and sixty or one hundred and eighty. I think they changed that number and increased it. Eighty uh, worth of hours of uh, uh, training to become arson certified. And that, in conjunction with uh, an arson investigator, so you're becoming a fire investigator, but the peace officer aspect is required through the state of Texas. So that's that's what actually makes you an arson investigator.
3: So when you guys go through that training for the fire department. Mm-hmm. Are you typically already an arson investigator before you go get your peace officer's certificate or your
0: license? No, typically uh, you go and get your peace officer first through you guys. Okay. We typically come through you all. We actually had one individual that had transferred from DPD, became an inv- a inspector, but then joined arson, so he didn't have to go. But still, typically the normal route is to go through and get your peace officer certification and then you would get your uh your arson investigation afterwards. Which it takes I mean it de- it depends. It could be about a month, two months. That's the route that we took back in 2013. Once we yeah. spent our time, we got our T code. Immediately when we got out, we transitioned into a uh, fire investigation and, and received that as well. Cool. You carry a weapon? Yes, ma'am. I, uh it's Dallas, Didn't did the day, but <laughs> <laughs> but yes, ma'am. I am I'm a Glock guy, so started Sig, but how
2: was that transition from being right-handed and having to transition to be a Uh, left handed shooter
0: it was um it wasn't that difficult for me because when in high school uh playing basketball i could shoot either either hand so that helped out in my favor um it took some learning but it wasn't as difficult because of my athletic background so that, that that helped out tremendously um I know it's kind of weird to shoot left but right, right. And people are like, man, what's it's kinda of weird? Why is it nothing wrong so. with shooting left handed, <laughs> sir? Not a single
3: thing. <laughs>
1: Lefty. <laughs> that that arsonist that uh that started the twenty one mm-hmm. fires that uh that we know of. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He uh w- what uh what kind of punishment did he
0: get? You know what? Uh I think Michelle was the DA's um uh, that's working on that. And I wanna say I don't know if he played out or she she got him some type of assistance. I don't I don't I don't, I don't recall, but I know she had recently contacted our office, and I think she made a deal with that one. Or was that the other case? I can't get it mixed up. I take that back. That may not have been him. That was the one off of Mockingbird that I'm thinking about. So no, I don't I don't know what he actually got. I'll look you know? it up when I get to work. okay. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I don't I'm curious he, though. Yeah. I'll text you and let you know. Yeah, that one was, it was that was an interesting case. Um, I mean, he was. And it wasn't huge. There weren't huge items, but some of them did, uh, because when he would set it, he would set it adjacent to buildings, and then it would kind of uh, trail over to the structure, and then it would get a little out of hand than what he what he anticipated. I'm assuming, but uh, it was unique how we we worked together to to get that done. I think we Lieutenant Sal had called in uh, a favor from your CRT team, mm-hmm. and I came in from work. It was late one night, and uh, I knew my. You know how it is command command staff wanted some information so i went on in to work uh because you're off but you're never off so i went in and they were already meeting plotting planning you know to strategically look at mapping out where he had been along the, the dart rail line from uh walnut hill down to parkland and you could see little trails of boxes with fires that were called in miscellaneous fires and then we just tracked them down and found video footage over I'd say about four or five of them and you would see he would well he did us a favor because he never would change clothes and he had those distinctive red shoes on in every photo uh and that uh that interview that interrogation was very interesting when they they got him saying they got him like i think we say within 24 hours of that meeting okay. were, were most of the uh fires was it downtown majority parkland yeah. parkland area he had a few up i think as he would work we figured he stayed up north because he would set some as he would go back, but majority of them would be down in the parking area. So,
3: Chief, what uh, other than that type of arson investigation you just did? What other kind of crimes do y'all assist DPD with? Is it any time the body's burned, or what? How often do y'all assist our
1: guys?
0: Yeah, um, if 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 that is, we we have had situations where you may have had uh, a murder and someone's trying to get rid of the body. They'll call us out. So any burn injuries, they'll call us out to it, okay. and we typically wait on the ME to give us a a determination and homicide. We kind of work collectively together. Uh, but you'll also get um, what am I? Uh, criminal mischief. Um, what's the other one? I'm not thinking of right now. Um, not criminal mischief. Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank cannot remember the other case. But I mean, anytime you guys call us out that may have some type of relation to fire or arson or uh something that that you know, they may be kind of sketchy about if we should have some involvement, we'll we'll show up and we'll just work it out with that particular detective. The uh a recent case that that I had uh what we have is a, a 104, which is a on-call chief And because we only have those two units, 684 and 685, available for the entire city um, on 24-hour shift. And if they run, then the call for assistance or call for that resource is just not available sometimes. And uh, C-Shift, which was last Friday or Thursday, I believe it was Thursday going into Friday, they were running. And uh, that's when they got that 3-alarm, and I knew they were busy. So with the Axon cameras now, we can go live through the respond feature. So I just logged in and and saw where they were. They were they weren't even at the three. They were dealing with another suspect at a McDonald's that burned something. So uh, once they cleared up, they said they didn't need me, but they called me back at four in the morning because of um, a uh, CIT case they had off of uh, Leanne. Uh, and and um, he ended up not burning much, but I I I told the two DPD officers that were there, the guy from New York, I can never say his name, Shanusu or something. But uh, <laughs> but you you're cool Not a dude. Texan. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't a yeah, Texan. But he was a good dude. Good dude. Him and his partner. Uh, but they uh they made the call. The guy lit a fire in a rear structure. It was a shed, and they put it out. You know, they put it out. But thanks to them, their body camera provided the evidence that we needed. I mean, you saw the guy actually light the fire. So, your everything is in the story. He didn't even burn much. Uh, some ordinary combustibles. But he was trying to light the structure on fire. So. Um, it ended up being a pretty simple case, um, but they did an excellent job on that one. So anytime they call us out, our, our goal is to respond, uh, even if we have to stretch our resources. So arson, we don't have that many resources, but we have plans in place to, you know make those necessary calls when need be. Well, I have to say, I'm sitting here looking at your collar, and you've got those two stars <laughs> sitting there,
1: and, and you're hulking man. <laughs> and I want to know what, uh, what's next for you. What next step are you going to take? Uh, for the city,
0: um, my goal is just to contribute. You know, I'm I'm in the game. That's what I, it's not a game, but you know, I'm in public service. I'm full fire. Uh, my goal is to not stop. So uh, right now, I'm finishing up. Uh, I graduate in December uh, with my MPA at UNT, um, and it's in the back of my head, but I just haven't. I know I'm probably going to do it. I'm thinking about a second master's in emergency management. Uh, because I'm in one of the classes now as an elective uh, and I kind of like it. So, but I, going in, the, the plan was when we were going to have a UNT program here, it was going to be at Dallas, at City Hall. Mm. And the moment I signed up, they canceled it. So now I have to drive all the way to <laughs> But I had already committed. And then at that time, my goal, I was looking at, uh, I talked to a professor that day, emergency management or a, um, public administration so I chose public administration but I'm kind of dead set on going back and getting that emergency management and then looking to, to stay within command advancing either becoming uh, assistant or chief or you know another department after I'm finished here at DFR uh, I believe my goal is to either go state federal, or something like that. You're still yeah. a
1: very young man. Yeah, and, 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 <laughs> you, know, I have you don't no realize that you're the youngest one at this table. Yes. You're Am right? I? Yeah. Yes. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, we're just joking. No, no. <laughs> really, no, you, no <laughs> you, you really are. Yeah, but you. Okay. Yeah, he said you have 40, 45. Uh, yeah, well, I said you start first, so yeah got
0: <laughs> yeah, be 45. Uh, willing, so. I have he's no doubt. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. This is even working first. Nah, I really feel like shit. You we're just doing. a year off, <laughs> <laughs> <You gotta laughs> <just> Yeah. <off laughs> got you, got you. Chief, what's yeah. the
2: last workout you did?
0: Uh, this morning I did cardio, so yesterday and today was a cardio day, tomorrow I'm looking forward, I'm doing a, uh, a tour day, uh, so tomorrow I got legs and shoulders, but I have a, um, a trap bar for deadlifts, I don't really like deadlifts in the front, it does something to my back, so I like the trap bar, so I bought one, we just put a gym in at our, uh, you unit. need to go work out with
3: him
1: because we used to do this diamond bar.
3: Yep. Net- <laughs> oh, uh, I love that. Dive. Oh, he, he looks just, good, yeah, to man. And, oh, and,
0: and it's a smooth up and down. Yeah, oh, perfect, like perfect, I use That's would kill me. It was yeah, yeah I love it, man. I just bought favorite far at the gym. It. We we uh, we have we installed a gym at our at our office over there, off of Baylor Street. It was a file cabinet room full of unnecessary stuff that that's been there since the eighties. Yeah. So we got rid of it. Got a gym, something more useful than just paper. So uh, I'm, I'm planning on breaking it in tomorrow evening uh, as a, as a tool. I can feel so.
2: that highly motivated yeah. inspiration. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <story>. <laughs> but, I mean, I haven't did deadlifts in so long, so I'm really looking forward to that that trap bar. That's oh, uh, nice. <laughs> I, I love it, man. I haven't did one since, uh, i say about four or five years. But I've been looking for Someone got my, I don't know where, it, where it's at. Somebody walked out with a groove feet. So hmm. It happens. <laughs>
1: All right, Chief, um, yes, I want to give a mention and a prayer for the Leos family. Yes, uh, you just lost a, a firefighter, David Leos. He had been on uh, DFR since 1981, and he had a, a bout with COVID, and he had just passed away. Uh, the ATO family has reached out to uh, his family and, uh, and, and gave some assistance. Um, I know it's got to be a – He's the first firefighter I just read that that yes, uh, that y'all have lost, and yes, and we've had several mm-hmm. uh, officers uh, and city employees uh, that uh, even the non sworn with our department that have yes, come sir. down with COVID, mm-hmm. and y'all have y'all have as well because yes, people sir. we never had a lockdown, we kept right. coming to work, right. we got to go, we get we we didn't we didn't get to uh, Netflix and chill and stay right. home, right. and right. we had to keep coming into the city and. Uh, and doing our job to uh, protect everybody. Yes, sir. Yes, so, sir. Chief, um, I want to thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. And yeah, it's you. an honor to be sitting here with you. Your thank story you. is incredible. I appreciate it. And is there anybody you want to uh, give a shout out to in your uh, firefighter family? Because I'm, I want I want everybody on your side yes, to hear this. And uh, and I hope they are as
0: honored to be under your command as I am to be in your presence. Well, I mean, I, I I couldn't just count out uh, shout out one individual person, but the department as a whole because uh, the, the individuals that are presently there and those that have left for retirement uh, mean so much to me. Our, our brothers and sisters that go out every day, just as you just mentioned, uh, never got that that time off or an, an alternative schedule. Had to keep going and answering that bell. So. Uh, individuals from ops, individuals from dispatch to prevention to arson to maintenance to the civilians that support us so every human resource that we have you know uh, I give my shout out to them because the badge that we wear uh, represents them as a whole so and that's police and fire. Yes sir
1: we work hand in hand we're here for each other I think that's a perfect way to wrap it up
0: Sir, thank you, thank go. you. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you for you, being man. on. Appreciate it. We thank you for your service. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for yours. I appreciate
1: it. Guys, for more information about Assist the Officer Foundation, go to atodallas.org. If you want to look up, look us up, donate. Please give it a look. Thanks for listening.
4: Hey brother, hey, sister, I'll never give up on you. Hey, Mrs. a hey, Mr. I'll see this all the way through No matter how far the sun and the moon I'll never give up on you Now when you're lonely, I'll pull you up Life leaves you heavy When the going gets tough I'll be your shoulder Together we'll run Up from the bottom Yeah, we'll rise above Hey brother, hey sister I'll never give up on you Hey Mrs. Amen ¡Gracias! You. Hey Mrs. Hey Mr. I'll see this all the way through No matter how far for the gold and the blue I'll never give up on